Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 588 of the Chair Shot Podcast. We are back once again. Uh, I am Townie, and I am joined by my good friend, Mr. PG, uh, PG13, Paul Griffin. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll have that. <laughs> All right, Paul. All right, Joe. Yeah, yeah, we're back again. Barry's not here because if you may have seen on social media, he's actually in New York slash uh, New Jersey um, to see the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view live. Um, so he's over there eating some oh, bloody pizza, probably, probably a burger, knowing him. And uh, yeah, watching a bit of wrestling, so lucky devil. But we're still here plugging away and we, we will be doing a full review of the pay-per-view. Uh, as well as talking about the uh, kickoff of the World Cup. So, Paul, how how have you been? Well, I didn't go to full gear, Joe. Oh. Um, I had an operation on my mouth that prevented me from attending the AW. I, I wasn't going to go anyway. But, yeah, I don't know. if Did I talk about my... I must have mentioned the lip situation at some point. No? I don't remember the lips coming into play. Do you remember the lips, the lips happening? So this started in, in March, I want to say. I would see the Batman mm. in the cinema. And I was having a, a, a lovely Five Guys burger afterwards. Although, I know I, on a tangent, the last Five Guys I had was was really poor. And I think Five right. Guys might, might be off the table for now. It was, it was that bad. Ooh. All five of them. Really, really poor, really poor. Anyway, this five guys trip in, in particular, I bit my bit my lip very badly. And uh, what happened was, or at least I've I've been informed what happened is I bit it so badly that it, it, it cut the in, the actual inside of the lip open. Oof. And um the the mucus after it healed over the top, the mucus that remained on the inside formed a cyst, uh, which I had to get removed oh, no. from the lip region. Um, you know, uh, listeners won't be able to tell because I'm I'm my usual erudite self. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've got a big swollen right lip there, and so I got you just had Botox or something. No, I got I got stitches on the inside of it. Oh, I'm all stitched up. Um, yeah, but basically since March, I've had a, a tic-tac-sized like swelling on the right mm. side of my lip. Weird as well, right? Because I obviously went to a doctor to uh, get it checked, and they referred me to a plastic surgeon mm. to do the, the necessary. And it, like, it was fully, like I say, tic-tac-sized. Mm. Um from March through to let's say late September, right? So I went I went to see the, the, the surgeon and he had he had a poke at it and said, Yeah, it's 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 a cyst, we'll 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 yank it out of there, right? And then having had that for six months, I would say maybe two weeks later the swelling the cyst was still there, but the swelling surrounding it just suddenly went away. Right. <laughs> six months later. I don't know, you know, what it was waiting for exactly, but and to the point that I went down where the cyst was still there, but it didn't look like there was a big bump on it anymore. Mm. But I, you know, I, I said, well, better to play it safe. You don't know. It might get infected or inflamed again mm. in the future. And if I if I don't go and get a fix now, 
you know, it, it was a six month wait in the first place to, to get it looked at. So went in, got it yanked out. Um, my it's my first actual operation I've had, surgical operation in my life, um, where where they've cut me open to something. Mm. Now, I will say, if anyone out there has had a a, a lip or face operation, very unpleasant, mm. very unpleasant. Um, no, not not painful or anything. I, I wouldn't say, but they have you lying down almost like you would at a at the dentist, right? And they give you the old needle in the lip, which I will say, I've never had a problem with needles, apart from that no. time where I got blood taken and I felt a little bit woozy. Oop, oh, yeah. What's happening? But as far as the needle going in, no problem, right? And I've been to the dentist enough times, fillings here and there and all that, where they do the needle in the gum, little little pinch, but it's it's fairly minimal. I will say getting it in the lip was a little bit more painful. Than getting it in the gum for whatever reason. But they jabbed me in the lip a few times, went all numb, and I'm lying back as if I were in a dentist chair, as I said. And because they're cutting into the lip, the blood is basically pouring back into my mouth. Ooh, no. So I'm swallowing blood as this is going on. Oh, Jesus. Not a huge amount of it because he's like no. dabbing it or whatever, but um, definite some blood um, swallowage. And I didn't anticipate how how you know the 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 post surgery was going to be. I thought they'll do a little tiny little nick on it, shoot, mm. yank it out. Shoot, shoot, shoot. There'll be a few stitches, but I'll be on my way, and life will be as normal. And no, big swollen lip. Basically, can't eat anything on that side of my mouth. It's, it's actually okay today, but you know this is on this is on Friday. I got it done. I figured, oh, I'll do the old ice cream diet i have a few days just eating ice cream yeah. it'll be great couldn't even do that uh, unless i use a, a, the smallest spoon size mm-hmm. like a teaspoon almost to eat, eat ice cream with it's just the, the mouth doesn't function you know normally um but now it's okay i still have and the worst thing about it is the stitches on the inside because again i had a, i had a uh, misunderstanding about how stitches uh typically work and maybe it's not necessarily a misunderstanding, but any stitch, any stitch job I've seen, they stitch it all up nice, tie a little mm. knot in it, cut off the excess, whatever. But my stitches here, which are the dissolvable ones, so they'll just you know go away eventually. I don't need to go in and get them taken out. Mm. Um, they have like stitched it up, but left the string flapping around inside. Almost there's there, there's like a, a no. Obviously, because it's inside of my mouth, I feel it much more. It's not like there's a yeah. five centimeter long no, no, no. string coming out, but there's a little bit. And like anything in your mouth, even if you have a little thing on your tongue, it's like oh yeah, exactly, scratch it off. So that's really so. What it feels like almost is you know when you have very rarely, but sometimes the the lining of the inside of your mouth, you, you get a little flap. And you'll be yeah. nibbling at it. And it feels like I have that, and I can't do anything about it. And you just have that for days. Mm. <laughs> and it's it's right, basically right front and center of my mouth. So it's not like it's out of the way and I can forget about it. Anytime my tongue goes into that region, it's feeling it. Very, very annoying. Very annoying. But uh, it's done, finally, six months oh, later, boy. like I say. Or actually, six months later, eight months later. Uh, it's done. It's fixed. 
hopefully now once the swelling goes back down uh, and it's already gone down a little bit you know I, I had yeah. three lips worth of lip on uh, mm, on Friday Christ. now I'm at maybe one point one point five uh then I'll be back to normal and doing all the things I normally do but uh yeah that's the main the main happening on this side obviously we'll we'll get into um the actual news shortly have you been up to anything specific nothing too notable no. uh, went for another very long walk which <laughs> I, you know I okay. love walks i've been listening to the um the lapsed fan podcast they did yes. actually quite one of the most recent episodes was on uh, black saturday when uh, vince bought uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and took over the famous 605 yeah. time slot on the Saturday. So they kind of done a whole deep dive into the background on that and the kind of outcome of it. Mm. Uh, it's 24 hours worth of podcasts across uh, five episodes. Yeah. So I've done about 19 hours. Of it. <laughs> I've got five hours left. I'm going to hopefully do next week or the week after. I'm going to finish it off. But it's so enjoyable and they go into such kind of depth. It's, yeah. it's very, very interesting. So that's been good. Uh, and other than that, Michelle and I went to Costco yesterday and stocked up on a few uh, a few snacks. Oh, boom, boom. Uh, got some little miniature pan raisins and pan chocolates and some uh, quite delicious food, which we've uh, been stuffing ourselves with over the last couple of days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. Really, nothing else too notable. Um, it has been a, it's been a huge a huge weekend though, outside of just us two. Right. Um, yes. Two huge events, one in the world of wrestling and one in the world of the world. Um, but we're going to kick off with a little bit of AEW because that is the big news of this yeah. week, of this weekend. Um, so we're going to do a full review of Full Gear. Um, of course. Just to kick off with. But before that, we thought we'd, we'd briefly touch on the kind of go home, um, two go home shows rather than reviewing them afterwards, which wouldn't make a lot of sense. I mean, Rampage was a bit of a... Uh a pre-show i would nearly say for full gear as opposed to it being a separate yes and i actually watched it just before the pay-per-view because i'd forgotten to watch it (laughs) i I, I then had the um the actual pre-show uh on mute on my tablet just kind of running just so i could keep an eye on that so i was watching rampage and the (laughs) not the buy-in whatever they call the zero hour at the same time wait a minute how can eddie kingston be here and here at the same time jesus so um yeah, nothing really notable on Rampage. Well, actually, uh, Rick, Ricky Starks' Lance Archer was, was quite enjoyable. It was only a five-minute match, but it, they started off kind of brawling backstage. And um, yeah, well, let's yeah, let's start with let's start with Dynamite. Let's start with Dynamite. let's go to Dynamite. Let's go back to Dynamite. So, first thing to note about this Dynamite was that they were in uh, Connecticut for the first time. Yes, and this crowd was D E D dead. I don't know. So it's, a, it's a WWE crowd. It was. It's all. It's all, it's all employees from. Yeah. From, uh, Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> They're friends. Um, and this was especially. Like, this is notable throughout the night, but it was especially notable in the um, show closing MJF uh, Moxley confrontation, mm. where. Uh, I've I've firstly never seen MJF come out to such a little reaction. And then, yeah. you know, when they had their back and forth on the microphone, you could tell that they were delivering lines that normally would get a reaction. Mm. And the crowd were just looking at them. Not, 
you you know whatever about the size of the arena or how full it was whatever but the people you could see on camera Mm. were just sitting there expressionless and you know to an extent i i don't get why you would go to a show to just no be so bored it happens in with wwe fans a lot it seems yeah, we've spoken about that in the past of fans just kind of sitting there watching it, not really feeling involved in the show. Mm. Well, we've never really seen that with AEW. I mean, you get good no. crowds and bad crowds, but not not just a quiet crowd. I mean, and I don't think, I mean, I know we've talked about AEW being not as, you know, not as hot, not as engaging as it has been. Right. But it's still the same kind, you know, Mox and MJF and, uh, you know, the acclaimed it's, it's, it's the people that are really over on the show. Mm. So I don't know. Just don't go back to Connecticut. That's my advice. Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing back there. To be fair. Um. Yeah. Let's just see if there's anything on it that we need to especially touch on that wouldn't. Uh... Mm. Okay. Well, we we Claudio and Danielson against Jericho and Sammy opened up. So obviously they planted some seeds there for the the four way. Match was quite good, I thought. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Strickland and Bones, they they set up the daddy ass thing there, which paid off on the pay per view where he wasn't uh, at ringside, and they did the Bowens uh, arm injury here as well. Um, yeah. Okay, and then we have our first instance of the bad crowd. Samoa Joe interviewed by Tony Schiavone. So Joe was doing a very good promo. Uh, mm. Again, in terms of delivery, and and Smojo is always great for getting uh, very intense and, and varying his uh, volume, and you know, very good actor, Smojo. And the crowd didn't give a shite, did not care about Joe and his acting, which is which was very annoying because he was he was really delivering uh, the business there. Um, and then you had Warlow and, and Powerhouse Hobbs coming out as well, and they. They fought, obviously. Uh, another Britt Baker backstage where she uh, further confused the uh, the babyface heel dynamic, which I think at, we'll get to it on the pay-per-view, but I think led to, a, again, a slightly muted crowd reaction there. Mm. Um, Britt Baker did a little bit more here on Dynamite and what we were kind of, I don't want to say complaining about last week, but that she she's a leader in the AEW locker room and blah, blah, blah. And then Jim Jim Ross in the paper going, I, I quite frankly, I don't get these women complaining about whose house it is. That's great when your commentator is giving out that story. Um, nice to see uh, Darius Martin back and AR Fox mm. as well, who got uh, signed. Although I don't think I've seen the uh, Is All Elite graphic, but they mentioned that he had been offered a contract. Yeah, I think there was one. You were very good. It was a good little match. It was. This was fun. Yeah. Um, so the kind of match you want from the trios division, just a crazy fast paced. Yeah, I mean the trios division match. has uh, its origins rooted in in Mexican uh, lucha libre, right? So mm. th- I think that style lends itself very well to, to those kind of matches. You you want to see a trios match against um, the factory, for example. You know, no. you, you want to see the, the quick paced high flyers in there more often than not. 
Flippy boys. The flippy the flippy doos. Uh Ethan Page and Bandito. Uh quite good. I, f- I find Ethan Page quite dull, if I'm honest. Um Right. Yeah. I, I, I kinda liked him when he first came into AEW, but he's just not really I don't know. He's just a bit generic. Hmm. I mean, he is, and I think that is not necessarily his fault. I think they he's been involved in so many quick fix gimmicks, I want to say. Because mm. how long has Ethan Page been around? A year and a half, maybe? Yeah, it could be that long. I feel like he's in. he's had four different characters already, and none of them have quite... It's it kind of the the parallel of when you hear, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jose Mourinho take over as Manchester United manager, and they say, "Well, he still doesn't know what his best team is." Uh, a year later, it's like, is that there's a little bit of Ethan Page? Yeah. Is he is he only now finally getting his feet under him in terms of nailing down what his character actually uh, is? You know. Yeah, I think he. I quite liked. I didn't mind the tag team with Scorpio Sky, but I think they were. Obviously overshadowed by um, Lambie, your man Dan Lambert, um, and then he went straight from that into the firm, which again is just a complete jabroni group. Yeah, I, I, I feel, feel like, like he, could, he could be better than than what he's he's doing. Well, I feel like they're trying to put a bit of a spotlight on him separate to the firm, although him being still associated to Stokely mm. doesn't exactly uh, divide him so clearly. But I thought, I thought this match was quite good. I think Bandito is great, obviously. Um, big Ego's edge for the win there. Um, although, like you know, we had mentioned at the start of the tournament, it seemed very predictable it was going to be Ethan and uh, and Ricky in the final, and uh, it has come to pass. That is what it will be. Um, we had uh, da, 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 and then Moxie and MJF in, in the main, as we said. Yeah. With uh, with some good good stuff in there, but the crowd didn't care, <laughs> and that that really hurt it because I don't know when when you have a, a an MJF or or a Moxley really giving it the goods and the crowd don't care. It just it, it's such an odd feeling to watch it. So like there's like, there's an emptiness, a hollowness to it, mm. and it almost makes it you know more apparent. That it's uh, it's it's actors acting, you know. I, th- I think the crowd really has an important role in the feeling of immersion and losing yourself and sus- suspending your disbelief and watching wrestling. Uh, it's a little bit like during the pandemic. Not so much, uh, ironically, not so much wrestling during the pandemic, but you know the first few games where you'd watch um, football before they introduced the fake crowd noise. Mm. And it was players playing in empty stadiums, and you just have the echo of the the stadium, and it was a very odd experience. It, it's it's almost similar to that the feeling that I got watching this, mm. where the crowd's lack of involvement almost laid bare the uh, <laughs> the fallacy of pro wrestling and the yeah. the fakeness of it was like amplified for some for some reason. It was a very odd experience. Um, yeah, but yeah, people's people's the crowd selling it is what makes it real to an extent. In the yeah. same way that the wrestlers selling a move makes the move real. Yeah, if it if they didn't sell it, it'd just be like, well, it was power bomb. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. So 
you know, when MJF gives a real zinger of a line, it's almost mm. to an extent, uh, like a, a, a joke and a punchline in terms of its structure, right? So, mm. or not even a, a, a joke and a punchline, but like a, a call and response, right? So, when MJF take for example one of my favorite lines of re- of recent um weeks the uh, the Moxley impression that he did right i'm going to gargle your mm. gargle your piss although that was a bit more comedic than the point i'm trying to make here but moxley will, or mjf will do a zinger right which is part 1 and then part 2 is the crowd to go oh or or when max caster does a rap and he 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 did the um Insta- no filter and like Instagram make you retire like Vince McMahon and the crowd go ooh and that's how you know that's how you know it was a good line is because of the crowd mm-hmm. response if the crowd if the crowd just are silent to it you don't get that call you only have the call you don't get the response and so it feels incomplete it feels um, unfinished to an extent and yeah it was very very weird very weird so thanks Connecticut you ruined died about for me. You ruined what was otherwise uh, a functionally good segment. Um, and it especially hurt that this was the, the go-home segment for the pay-per-view. Yeah. It, yeah. it felt a bit weak, given, it, given it felt all, really the, weak. all the really good stuff, all the good stuff they've done. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it was entirely their fault, but it did. No. You know, we're you know we're we're in anyway. We're we're buying the pay per view, so we're not affected sure. by that. We don't necessarily judge go home shows to the same uh, extent as people who are maybe on the fence. But nevertheless, you're watching it as a, a serial. You're watching it like you might watch a, a Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, and mm-hmm. I don't know my, my feeling after watching Dynamite. And, you know, as with Game of Thrones, a lot of your feeling of, of watching an episode will be based on the last couple of minutes, you know, the recency bias of, of judging a show based on the main event. And, yeah, it definitely left a little like, oh, that, was, that wasn't great. That was a bit weak. But, again, I think the crowd uh, really has to shoulder a lot of the blame for that. So, yes, don't go back to Connecticut anytime soon. Or if you do, just do a fucking rampage or something. They, don't, they do not deserve uh, a dynamite anymore. You had your chance. You ruined it. <laughs> you had it. You ruined it. You had your damn chance. Uh, so moving over to Rampage then, which oh, was a live Rampage, Rampage, which is always preferable to uh, the taped versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky Starks beat Lance Archer, who uh, I still think they, and I, I, you know, I know there's uh, common complaints about AEW lately that there's, mm. there's people on the roster that, that they don't do enough with. Uh, I feel like Lance Archer should get used a little bit more than he does. He's um, used quite a lot. I'd say more more pandemic era. He was a real regular, but now yeah. he's he's this when was the last time he was on the show? Yeah, and he's been in, he's been in Japan for a while. He was in uh mm. doing some tag work over there in New Japan. But you know, I had a conversation the week about the firm and the problems with the firm and why the firm has been such a dud since it since it launched. Mm talking about how they could have better structured it and it's like well they brought in w morrissey who's fine you know Uh, but they have you know they have a ready-made big man already on the roster that they're not using and they bring in another one 
And so to an extent, there is, you know, I know there's complaints about the roster size and all of that. And, you know, whatever side of the fence you fall on that, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, here, here it seems like there was already, and I'm not saying, like, you know, Lance Archer was necessarily the perfect pick for that, but it seems like you have a few wrestlers that all fit into a certain category. And uh, I don't know. Mm. There's not a lot to do with them. Uh, then we had Hook and Lee Moriarty, uh, which was pretty damn good, I got to say. Much better than I anticipated it was going to be. I don't know if you were paying uh, attention to this one or the pre-show at the time, Joe. But <laughs> No, I did watch this. And it this was good. Um, yeah, Hook's longest singles match by a good three minutes, I think. Uh, but he did well. He did well. I kind of, I do, I mean, I like Hook. I do like to see him just beat people up. <laughs> right. When he's selling and stuff, it's like, I wish he would just beat him up. <laughs> so I, sometimes I just want to watch like my favorite wrestlers just beat people in like a minute. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. Like Jade Cargill, I'd happily just watch her beat people in like two I, minutes. I tell you, well, that would have been better at, at the pay-per-view. You happens. know what I mean? It's like, and it's fine. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a 10-minute match or every time. Yeah. But, you know, I think Hook is capable and I think he's... He's progressing. It's coming up on, what are we, 11 months um, mm. since he debuted. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping next year is going to be big for him. I don't want him I don't want him to be someone who kind of stays at this level for like another year. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel yeah. like he needs to, by this time next year, he needs to be like a regular on Dynamite and pay-per-views. Yes. Getting into like the TNT title mix, something like that. Yeah. Um, we don't want another... Situation where, God, you know, Tony Khan just keeps people waiting and waiting and wait. Just pull the trigger, brother. He's ready. <laughs> get him on, you know, get him on, get him on dynamite more. Send Hook to the mid card. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, this felt to me, and I, I know he's had relatively long matches, and he's had matches where he basically controls and wins. He's had matches where he sells a lot of wins, but this felt like his first real match in inverted commas to your point of where, where we want him to get where he's a, a consistent character. Who's not having four minute squash matches with Cole Carter. He's having competitive real, you know, I, I don't know what we want to call him, like ring of honor style matches or whatever, mm. like proper matches. I just felt like a first step in that direction. So that was, that was very good to see. Probably the, my, my favorite Lee Moriarty match I've seen so far as well. I think they complemented each other quite well. Mm, mm. So good for them. Hook got the win, obviously, with uh, with the Red Room. Red Room. Um, Joe, I don't know about you, but this Roosh and uh, the Dark Order feud, I am loving it. I'm not. Really, <laughs> I'm not really. If I can, still going on. Still going on. It's um, been going on for years. Some of these storylines, oh god. Yeah, and and this one on Rampage. I don't know again if you if you were watching it, but mm. they're they're still just doing the for for the seventeenth week in a row. They're backstage with Alex Marvez, Roosh slash Andrade, whoever it is this week. It's Roosh now. Goes, uh, un perro. I will beat the fuck out of you. I don't know. He turned into the Iron Sheik at the end there, but and then, but this week, 
um, they challenged, it was John Silver and, and 10 of the Dark Order, and then it was jo- Jose, the assistant, and, and Rouge. They challenged them to a tag team match, so two on two. And John Silver, very innocuously, in my mind, said, you know, the two of us will beat up you. And then 10 stops him and goes, what do you mean? The two of us. I was like, what? <laughs> Why is suddenly like there, there was there was no mention. This wasn't like Wardlow and Joe the previous week where Joe mentioned I'm gonna or Wardlow said I'm gonna win all the belts. He just said, Yeah, the two of us will be you. What do you mean the two of us? I was like, What? Bit, bit dumb. But anyway, I mean this seems like they've been building to ten, leaving the dark order for a very long time now. So let's just fucking do it. Like, come on. Enough of these backstage. Just knock the Dark Order on the head, really. Do we need? Yeah, I mean, to an extent. RIP Birdie Lee, but come on. Yeah, they they feel a little bit like um, Team Taz in the last couple of weeks, don't they? It's twenty twenty three. You know what year it is. You know Mm. what that means. Um. Yeah, I'd go forty through that, and and the next match. To be honest, um, Madison Rain. She came out. And they pointed out, Bazarain, she's a veteran of 17 years in the business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we don't, when we do our, our year-end award shows, we don't do an award for uh, most boring wrestler. But she might be it. She might be it. Uh, I like Athena as a heel. Crowd seemed to be kind of half and half in on it until she uh, clobbered Aubrey Edwards. Mm. Which got the reaction that we we were hoping to have gotten on Dynamite uh, during a few seconds. Big old, oh my god, she hit Aubrey Edwards, which is great. And then Mercedes Martinez came out. She's back. So they're presumably building to that for the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Um, and then we had the main event, Jun Akiyama and Konsuke Takeshita, who's now All Elite, which is great. And uh, my immediate thought was, uh, let, let's start drafting the uh, the dream matches for next year's Forbidden Door. Takeshita against Tanahashi, maybe? Would, Ooh. Be, would be quite nice. Ooh. Ooh. Get, get, uh, get him in. I don't know, because then you've got the politics of DDT versus New Japan. Well, he doesn't work for DDT anymore. He works for AEW now. No, he's, I think he's contracted to both. No, he said, he said he was gonna, he's moving permanently to America to work for AEW. No, I think he's. Oh, you think you think it's still a a wink wink? Still going to go and work DDT. He's, no, he's contracted to AEW, but I think he's still going to do okay. DDT as well. Um, I don't think. It, well, I don't put it this way. I don't think DDT would be very happy about the working relationship if they just if AEW just completely signed away like one of their biggest stars. Okay, maybe. Be like if they signed Osprey or Ricardo and just said sorry, <laughs> <laughs> can't use you anymore. Oh fuck you then. <laughs> But yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know what the politics of that would be. Like it's thorny. It's like the whole the AAA CMLL thing. They couldn't even have those guys there, and they're not even under contract. Like the the Mexican guys, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. oh, they're messy bitches of these wrestling. Come on, Japan, sort it out, lads. Um, yeah, but he's a great signing. I mean, he's fantastic. He's very good. Very good. He could be. I think he will be future AEW World Champion. Oh, yeah, so. that's a big call. Said it. Okay. Said it. Okay. Write that down. Um. um anyway, main event, main event was good. Uh, Akiyama. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Got that's the win anyway for his team. 
and then they made the uh, Kingston Akiyama official for the uh, the tape. So let's move over to uh, Full Gear, which Full in- gear. interestingly, um, has, is anyone keeping track of these pre-shows? Why some of them are called the buy-in and some of them are called zero hour? Mm, what was the last one called? Oh, I don't. I don't remember. Mm, I'm looking at it, but it doesn't have the name. It's not important, but I'm, I just... I've never seen the Zero Hour thing before, or I've not noticed it before. Mm. I thought they just changed it to that. For this one? I, I think no, they've no. had a Zero Hour before. It might have been just the previous one. I don't really remember. Mm. Anyway. Um, so we opened up Zero Hour with 10-man tag. Yes. Uh, best friend, well, actually a nine-man tag initially. Uh, yes. It was Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, Rocky Romero, and very mysterious, very evil mystery partner against the factory. <laughs> and no no one came out, and they just started the match as a five-on-four. Mm. No explanation, no setup. Which made it, I think, even more apparent that, as if it wasn't already, that it would be Dan House. They weren't going to have a a bait and switch for somebody to come out for the last 30 seconds. A Shibata come out for 30 seconds. Um, I did have a great idea as I was watching it, which was that, you know, they they did play a video on, was it on Rampage? And it Mm -hmm. showed Dan House and hint that it was going to be Dan House as a partner. That somebody else, like a Shibata, would come out with the Danhausen face paint on, <laughs> kill the factory, and there would be no acknowledgement that it's not Danhausen. It would be obvious to the viewers that it wasn't him. And then on Dynamite, Danhausen's back, and they're just acting as if it was him on the pay per view. I think that would be quite would have been quite comedic. Yeah. Uh, what we actually got was Danhausen did come out. <laughs> al- fiend, albeit <laughs> the fiend version of Dan ha- Fiendhausen. Yeah. yeah. Um, he came out with uh, not his tremendous music, which I love. He came out to much more mm. generic I'm a spooky man music uh, with teeth in a little jar and a spike, which I think is the first ever case I've seen of a spike being used and there not being any blood. Um, He came out, I gotta say, face paint a little bit goofy. A little bit goofy looking. Uh, I think if, you, if you're going in, in the direction of this is the, let's say, the legitimate Danhausen, who's not a goof. This is like evil Danhausen. Yeah. You could have made it face paint a bit more intimidating looking. I thought it, I thought it looked a little bit goofy. Um, Fair enough. I didn't mind it. He uh, threw a lot of suplexes. He did a lot of good wrestling. Yeah, he looks good. He looks good. He looks intense. You, you put the teeth in your man's mouth. But. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Because I've seen Dan Housen pre-AW, and he did have some looks that were legitimately, legitimately spooky looking, you know, a bit more direct horror references. And I think I would have gone more in that direction. Also, the face paint looked too close to his existing face paint. That I could, I could see some people. If some people weren't exactly paying full attention to the pre-show, they might not have realized he even had a different look. 
it was quite similar. It, it, the eyebrows were different, and obviously the the shape of the face was different, and had blood. Although it was, it was very pink looking on his chin, mm. um, it wasn't markedly different. Anyway, they got the win. Uh, Ricky Starks defeated Brian Cage in the uh, semi-final. Got him up for the old Rochambeau, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, good match. Good match. They had the, F- the FTW match before. It was pretty good. Yes. Seven months ago. Um, now, I got to say, this was the first time it occurred to me uh, that Ricky Starks, in my mind, has kind of taken a step. I don't want to say a step backwards. But Ricky Starks is someone that I've always considered very, very, uh, having very high potential mm. for to be a big star, right? And there's just something about the last, let's say the last month, in his promos, his promo delivery, his matches, that's just a little bit below what I would have had as his standard in my mind. Um, there was one promo, I don't remember if it was this week necessarily, but there was one promo we did that I thought was really, I don't say really poor, but just, you know, typically when I see Ricky Starks, I'm, I'm like wowed by it. And I was just like, eh, that wasn't, that wasn't great. And then the matches have been fine, but again, not great. And um, especially as we get to the pay-per-view, there were so many really good performances. I feel like Ricky Starks Mm -hmm. is at risk of getting a little bit lost in the shuffle. Um, And certainly this uh, understanding that he's been ill or he's been hurt or whatever Mm -hmm. is going on. But just performance-wise, I feel like he's taken a slight step down. Uh, in recent weeks, which had me has me a little bit worried. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, his performances aren't where they were in terms of promo or in ring. Yeah. This really feels like it's, it's again, it's one of those things where why didn't you push him when he was hot? You know what I mean? And it's where maybe Tony's a little bit rigid about his plans. Yes. And Agreed. it's like, well, you know, if it's hot, go. And I think he's, you know, with the acclaimed, he did. But um, just sometimes it's like the people are begging for it, you know. And I'm glad, and that's why I was kind of worried. We'll get to it later. But in the Jamie Hater match, that we got the result we did, because I was kind of worried it would be another. Oh, let's wait till February. Yeah. Mm, no, because we'll, we'll be fed up, fed up of her by then. <laughs> we'll have lost all the steam. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I take your point on Ricky Starks, but um, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see if he can maybe he'll raise his game if he's up against MJF or someone else. Yeah, because he, he's very good, you know, but mm. he needs something to work with at the same time. Um, and then we had Eddie Kingston. I love this, by the way. Love, 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 love this. Eddie Kingston's dream match. He's been asking for years for June Akiyama. Um finally got his wish. They had a very fun uh all Japan style match. Mm-hmm. And the match was good they were quite good, don't get me wrong. But the post match with the uh Eddie Kingston getting very emotional, doing the um proper like down on the knees bow. Yeah. Um which obviously in Japanese culture is a whole other level of you know mm. showing respect uh, than the typical bow. Him giving it back to Kingston and uh, Kingston's hilarious promo to sell the pay per view 
again, I, Joe, I don't know that you were paying attention to this at the time, but mm. he got on the mic for two minutes, sold the pay-per-view better than Excalibur has ever sold a pay-per-view. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so funny. Um, and then quickly was gone. But uh, yeah, very, very good. Very, uh, very entertaining stuff here. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, very good. Very good. Yeah, so it was a decent pre-show. Very he didn't good. have. I think in some of the some of the pre-shows I've had in the past, they've had really like blow up matches that could have been really should have been on the main or could have been on the main card. You know, really blow away matches. Whereas this was, yeah, good, good, fair, but not uh, not not too memorable. Mm, yeah, I'd say. I think that's fair. I think the closest you got was Kingston Akiyama, but that didn't have a feud behind it or anything. So I'm I'm okay with that being here. Nah. Um, let's into the main show. The main show, which we both we watched live. You yes, up till five a.m. I was actually <laughs> up even later than that. I don't know why. I, I just wasn't tired afterwards. I was up till nearly nine a.m. Jesus. Um. So I'm I'm operating on about three and a half hours sleep, which oh, is fine. Christ. I'll have a good night's sleep tonight. I'll be back to work in the morning. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, Always nice, especially here in Europe, when we get a uh, a Saturday night pay per view. Means we can stay up and watch it live. Of course, and yeah. This is my return to live pay per views after I didn't watch uh, All Out live because I was away on my holidays. Um, so we started with the cage match, obviously because to avoid having to spend time setting up and taking it down in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh. Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. So Luchasaurus is another big man who Luchasaurus can be a little bit hit and miss. Um, but I thought that this was a bloody good cage match. Very, very good. And Luchasaurus, I mean, as far as his performances go, he had a, a near flawless performance, I would say. Um, yeah, I thought they were both fantastic. You know, classic story, big man, little man story. Um, I thought the cage really added to it. Um, except obviously they did do the opening the door, getting the weapon. Um, to be they fair, do that a lot. They, they just I didn't mind it because they they it wasn't very long, and then they did finish it in the cage. It it didn't even really impact the match too much. No, now to be but fair, they do this every what every time. Well, how many cage matches have AW done? Well, including blood and guts in this. Okay, I, well, I'm not. Which the, oh. I'm talking. I'm not going to cage match, brother. Blood and guts is a different. If you if you're playing no no mercy, cage match is one option. Blood and guts is a different option. But it's, it's the same principle. It's it the psychology. Yeah, I, know, I know conceptually, it's the same. It's the psychology that I'm talking about. Of um, the cage is there for a reason. Yeah, I mean they, they they were only very briefly out of the cage, and that was I guess kind of to serve the purpose to get Christian booted out. And also to get some of the weapons in the cage, which, which, to be fair, I, I, I think you and I are on the same wavelength with regards to cage matches always needing tables and chairs, mm. and like, mm. I think back to classic, classic wrestling cage matches where the cage as a weapon sufficed. <laughs> you know, you didn't, yes. you didn't always need thumbtacks and tables and the rest of it, which is kind of what any gimmick match has become. You always need those those uh, 
mm. things involved. So I would ideally not have those. But that was very, very good. Big, uh, big gig ski by Jack was the only one on the show, interestingly, as well. As far as I recall, we had a few busted noses, but no. A few, a few bloody noses, but yeah. It was a nice, it was a good, uh, yeah, good, good, solid. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't like CM Punk level when he was, you know, feuding with MJF, but it was a good, good little blade job. I give him props for that. Yeah, he definitely had the Crimson Mask. Um, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a trickle. It wasn't a. No, he had the, he, he, he wasn't coast to coast, but it was a good, it was a good, uh, decent, good amount. <laughs> well done. Well done, lad. Um, yeah, some, some really nice uh, spots. We had big choke slam off the top. Um, we obviously had the uh, the big uh, Shawn Michaels style elbow off the top of the cage. Yeah. Um, a lot of I, I I've always been a fan, both in cage matches and Hell in a Cell matches, of the uh, the spot where they put the face into the cage and rub it back and forth. Mm-hmm. Especially when especially when there's blood. I don't like that yeah, in right. uh, in in, and I'm not having to go at WWE. But I've always thought the the running the, the head along the cage like a cheese grater doesn't that spot mm. never doesn't really work when there's not blood because no. you're, you're 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 amplifying the the sharpness and the the devastation of the cage where you see the blood mm. ah it's rubbing the blood all over their face always always enjoyed that um and yeah I mean he, uh, Jungle Boy got the got the win uh. And notably, wasn't wearing his little lion cloth. Uh, yes, pants. Yes, change of gear. More kind of stone cold Jack Perry. Yeah, change of hairstyle as well. He had it tied back in a kind of a, almost a lion heart. Yeah, I wonder if that's more to accentuate the blood, the crimson mask. Yeah, possibly but could be. It'd be nice, to, yeah, to see that going forward. But yeah, I like that. I think we talked about the music last week, and I think. Not even the music, but the Titan Tron. Oh, was, yeah. Was that him, changed? I didn't know. No, it was the same. It was the same. same. Okay. I would change it, where he's fishing with, like, a spear. Yeah, that needs to change. They could yeah. probably get away with the music for a bit longer. But even then, I think long-term, if he was going to go for, like, a world title level, I feel like they would need to change that music. Mm. But it is uh, it's good. Oh, 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 oh. Maybe they could just do a remix of, like... Jungle Man, <laughs> or Jungle Boy. Yeah, maybe. make it a bit more intense. But yeah, a really good match overall. I like the elbow. It was an awkward one because he didn't want to land on top of him. He wanted to hit the elbow, so it looked a bit like he missed. But he didn't. He hit. No, he, he kind of hit. He kind of landed on top of him anyway, and just yeah. fell off the other side. But he broke the table. That was the most important thing. That's yeah. what. That's the visual. You could maybe give him Welcome to the Jungle, Guns N' Roses. Would that work as a, as a theme song, maybe? Don't have to jump. That'd be cool, but probably massively expensive. I'll get a cover, cover version. By Fuzzy. Oh, God. Um, let's let's have a quick tangent. I know this is news. Um, Chris Jericho on The Masked Singer mm. uh, was, was kind of viral for a day or two there. Um, now, he did a cover. I don't know if you saw the video of this, Joe. Of All Star by Smash Mouth. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember, Joe. Do you remember a few, maybe a year ago? Was it Puddle of Mud did a version of uh, Nirvana's About a Girl that went viral as being like one of the worst covers of all mm. time? 
I think Jericho doing All-Star might have been even worse. Uh, and very funny that Jericho came out afterwards and said, oh, I, I thought it was good. I should have stayed in. Mate, you are one of the worst singers <laughs> in the world, <laughs> professional or otherwise. He's got no um, like pitch control. Yeah, He can't stay in key. At one point during the song, he just went up an octave because he couldn't hit the high note. So he just said, well, I'm going up into my screechy uh, falsetto because I can't keep in the register that I'm in. Oh, my God. And his voice is so irritating. Anyway, he's got a very abrasive voice. He's not got a a smooth singing voice. He's very, very um, harsh to listen to. My God, it was it was abysmal. Um so yeah, deservedly voted off Mass Singer. Um how that man is 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 a professional singer of any kind, I, I do not know. Anyway, back to the show. So speaking of theme songs, we had uh the return of the elite coming out to a ooh baby, an absolute banger of a tune. Carry on. Carry on my is that Chris Jericho singing it? What was that? <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, Carry On Wayward Son um, by Kansas, which is, a, mm. which is a hell of a tune, let me tell you. Uh, although, I will say, if this, if this is me putting my NXT Triple H hat on for a second, I think they need to work a little bit on um, attuning their entrance movements to the music a little bit more. Because they came into the ring at a point where the song kind of slows down. And there's not a lot happening, and they just kind of had to stand around mm. waiting for the chorus to kick back in. So a little bit of work on that, boys. But uh, that that's a great theme song for them. Certainly uh, a, a million times better than their The Elite. Uh, the, the elite, elite. Which they had been using, which is doesn't work. It doesn't really work as a theme song, I'm afraid. So that was great. Um was they good. were up against the uh Triangulo de la Muerte. Death Triangle. Uh, this match was very good. I, I'm going to be surprised now if Meltzer doesn't go the full five on it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I think this was a, a very, very good four and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah, same kind of range for me. Four and a quarter, four and a half. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. It was it was just classic elite match. You know, there's the, the spots, the crazy... Oh and the oh and the oh and then the eh, and the oh and then the <laughs> you know you can just you can tell an elite match just by the pops really it's that yeah very kind of fast paced you know choreographed but not in a pokey kind of way it feels you know they do it well enough that it feels real yeah I noticed that as well particularly when Phoenix and Nick Jackson were involved because compared yeah. compared to Chris Jericho's singing voice. Uh, those two boys have, have a smoothness to what they do. Mm, mm. Uh, that was very noticeable. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the, the infamous uh, Will Ospreay ricochet sequences from back in the day. Mm. But as you said, there's a little bit more believability to them. There wasn't just, there wasn't a moment where they both did a hang, ha- handspring off the ropes at the same time for no reason. It all logically followed. Um, love the story of it as well, uh, especially the finish, which was a, a big surprise. Yeah, 
with the hammer. Phoenix use, using the hammer on Omega, pinning Omega for the win. Uh, it was it was certainly a big surprise. Obviously, there's too much spots for us to cover here in in any uh, detail, but uh, this was this was a classic. Classic Lucha Bros Young Bucks match with an extra little Omega pack uh, yeah. seasoning sprinkled on, on top, which was uh, very, very enjoyable. Omega was in great shape as well. Much Even compared to his his return recently, he was really lean there. He's basically had a year off as well, hasn't he? I mean, he hasn't wrestled fully since last end of last year. Yeah. So I'm hoping he's, he's fully rested, healed, raring to go. He looked like he had missed a beat. A good, a good Kenny Omega that's going to add a hell of a lot to the show. Yeah. And this was the point that we had raised. And I'm not throwing Barry under the bus here, but the point that had been raised, I, I think, last week, the week before, about whether you take CM Punk or you take the Elite based on mm-hmm. the issues they've had. I mean, matches like this are, are kind of why I would be I would be more on the Elite side of that argument anyway. Mm-hmm. I know Punk has a, a special aura to him and his, his promo work and, and, and so on is, is, is very good, but god damn i could like when they announced that they were doing a best of seven series with these guys yeah it's like oh well, yes please <laughs> you know it's gonna be good let's have six more of them go on uh, i'll sign up for that uh, rather than cm punk trying to do the uh, the bookshot lariat <laughs> um for example um yeah i liked i like the added uh story element of phoenix using the hammer he looked upset initially, and then there was kind of a, a smile on his face afterwards. So, yeah, little little sprinkles like that make me uh, make me more interested in the story. So I was very very happy with that. Um, so let me just say, Joe, right now, I know we did we didn't do our, our initial overall thoughts, which we normally do, right? Normally, when we start a pay per view review, mm. we say, Joe, you know what? What did you think of the show? Oh, you know, I thought the show was great. Blah blah. But I think it's appropriate at this point to say that I thought that every single match on this show is probably one of the best, you know, overall, I think one of the best pay-per-views they've ever done uh, in terms of the consistency of the matches. Like I, as we said, I don't think there was necessarily a five-star match on there, so you might judge it differently. Yeah. But I think every single match on this pay-per-view was very good to great. Apart uh, from... Oh, there we go. Nyla Rose and Jake Carrick. <laughs> I would, I would agree. Um, I probably wouldn't be that high on it, just because I think I would say there were three very good matches, mm-hmm. uh, two of which we'd al- we've already talked about. Yeah, the cage um, match thought, and, and and the six man. Well, they're the only two yeah. matches we talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then probably like four or five, like good. And for me, good okay. is like three to four star kind of re- 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 range. <laughs> And then probably, yeah, I need the Jay Cargill match below that. Trying to think what else was. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, no bad matches, I would, I would agree. But I feel like some of the other pay-per-views they've done this year are probably on a par with that. If I had to, I'd have to go back and look. But I think so. I think other pay-per-views have had higher highs, certainly. Mm. But also by that, I, th- I think those same pay-per-views have had lower lows than this one. I mean, discounting the match we're about to talk about. Uh, okay, let's let's not say it was the best, but I think it was one of the more consistent shows they've done. Consistently yeah. good. Okay, so let's talk about Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Uh, so this is one of those ones where I feel very strongly about it. And m- some of the reviews I've seen online have been a bit more kind 
that I'm about to be. Mm. Um, I thought this match was absolutely abysmal. Um, I thought they had they had no chemistry whatsoever. Nyla, with the experience level that she has, should have. Uh, and the, to be fair, Nyla has had very good matches, especially during her women's championship reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, should have been able to carry Jade to a, a better match than this was. Uh, I think I thought this really exposed Jade. I, I thought she was much further along than she kind of showed mm-hmm. in, in this match here. Um, yeah, I just thought they 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 were repeatedly not on the same step. They 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 were a step off each other throughout. Uh, I like Jade's um, Thundercats get up, but uh, yeah, very very sloppy, very. Um, yeah, like I said, odd odd spots that didn't quite work. Um, throughout the crowd didn't care about it, which didn't help either. I know we've given out our crowds a lot on the show, but yeah, I thought this was very very poor. Um, and yeah, I thought I thought Cargill especially should have been a bit more aggressive given the story leading where she just wanted to get her hands on Nyla. And then they mm-hmm. just had kind of a bland back and forth. I don't even want to say bland, a bad back and forth. Um, yeah, didn't like it at all. <laughs> Did not like it at all. I I didn't dislike it, but there wasn't really much there to to enjoy. Mm. Um, I love that <laughs> Jr. at the first opportunity went. Oh, that was bowling shoe ugly. It was like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> they blew. A, I can't remember what it was. I think. A, was it like a sunset flip into something that kind of didn't work? It was like, oh, no, I'm going to polish you ugly. It's like, all right. All right, you. You don't have to, like, I know we don't expect you to say everything's great, but you don't have to, like, point out everything that goes slightly wrong. Yeah. He's an ordinary old fucker. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I do have to agree with him in, in this case. I thought this was probably Jade's worst match of the last six months let's say mm. uh, I, th- I think this would have been better for it being what like you like you were saying earlier when when one of your favorites just comes out and just beats the fuck out of someone in one minute just squash people that's that's what, what? that's what this should have this one should have been mm. um yeah just very uncoordinated i think that that was my main issue with it um oh well uh much better was the ring of honor world title fatal four-way match uh, which again I thought was very good. This one of those, this is one of those matches where you know obviously we're not we're not big Sammy Guevara fans on here, mm. but, but I thought this was this was a reminder that he is very good. Uh, it, was, it was good, but I I don't have any interest in any of these guys at the moment. I think that's fair. I just you know I just Jericho I feel like he's been doing the same thing for a long old time now. No, the Ocho is not is different. Oh, it's different from the Wizard. Yeah, yeah, which is different from uh, Le Champion. Le Champion, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. Got the difference is yeah. he doesn't say a little bit of the bubbly when he's the Ring of Honor champion. He says a different thing. Yeah, and the Ocho. Yeah, even though he looks and acts the same, it's a different. different yeah, pattern. and the wrestling's the same. Apart from that, it's yeah, it's for, he's re, he's the king of reinventing himself. Really. <laughs> That's why his so, his longevity is unparalleled. Um, yeah, so I don't go about him. Danielson, oh god, that's a weird one because I fucking love him. He's he's one of my Mount Rushmore wrestlers. But 
Give him, give him something more meaty to do. I just guess. he should come in out. Remember the, remember the Brian Danielson that fought Kenny Omega, at fucking, and hang and Hangman Page. Yeah, in the in that in the first month or whatever, the Grand Slam. It was like yeah. fucking. I remember people go go chanting, "This is awesome!" Before yeah. the match had even started. That's the Brian we want. The big match, big match, Brian. That's what we need. And instead, he just. <laughs> Get rid of the Blackpool Combat Club for a start. Well, I mean... We'll get to that later, but that's... We might be getting rid of that. That's Uh, never been any good. I remember the whole thing of the... We we talked about the Brian Danielson originally and Mox thing, where they were feuding, and then it went in a different direction. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And then it never then advanced. (laughs) It's just been like that ever since, and that was six months ago. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's reached its natural end of life to an extent yeah and they, they need to start doing something like danielson certainly needs to be higher up he should be in the main up. event he should he should feud with mjf this should be one of MJF's not, big feuds. not a bad idea that that Go, is that sounds good to me have have danielson gone as a few singles wins get to january maybe have double or nothing could be the main event brian and mjf that would be fucking phenomenal yeah. really yeah. um but yeah, please do something with Brian Danielson. He's just, he's too good. Even, I mean, he's not even that old. He's only 41 or two or something, isn't he? Like, just, I don't get, put, like, how willing, I mean, maybe Tony Khan's just a big fan of CM Punk. And obviously Punk is a big drawer as well, but comparing the two of those, to me, Danielson is just a bigger, he's been a bigger star more recently. You know what I mean? He was main eventing WrestleMania two years ago. Yeah. He could be at that level with the right presentation, the right kind of matches. Yeah. <clears throat> Pissing me off. <laughs> yeah. pissing. Okay, well, I'll, I'll count it out by saying I thought this match was very good. It was good. I agree with your points, though. Um, uh, yeah, no, I thor- thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Sammy had a good night as well, even though he's still a, a knob. Um, funniest moment of the show. And maybe of the year again. I know we don't we don't do a, a, an award for it, but um, Claudio's given the old giant swing to Sammy, and Jericho's attempt at a flying Judas effect, uh, which I called at the time the flying chub, <laughs> was so funny. Yeah, um, I can see how he pictured in his mind how fucking cool it would be. Right, you're fucking swinging him. I'm going to jump over the swing. <laughs> Elbow's going to come flying around, knock him out with the Judas effects. Oh, what a finish that'll be. Um, Jericho. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how to say it without being. It's like when you see an old cat that forgets it's old and it tries to like jump up onto a, a table or a shelf or something. And it goes <laughs> and it falls onto the floor and lands right. on its ass. That's what Jer- he's forgotten that he's 50 and that he can't jump over a man doing a giant swing and hit an elbow. It was like a sack of potatoes being shot out of a cannon. Oh, I don't know. It's good. That that would have quite a lot of momentum. <laughs> there was, well, there was, it was so speed much. and momentum. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like a sack of potatoes sort of being on a plank of wood and then you like sit on the other end of the plank and it goes yeah. like that. Yeah, a little, yeah. a little bit more like that. Um, very funny. And then they they just stood up and he did hit him with due respect again. <laughs> and then that was the that was the finish. Um, 
nice idea, but uh, not so much an execution. Then we had Soraya and Dr. Britt Baker, the MD. Um, which again, I thought was was not you know not excellent, but in terms of where my expectations were, I thought it it surpassed those. I thought it was very good. Um, Soraya in particular has a very weird um, style. She's got a she's very loose. Mm. You know, where in a business where a lot of people are so either so rigid or so specific in their movements. She's real loose. It's like her limbs aren't actually like connected to her torso. They just kind of hang on there, which just makes her very interesting to watch. She's like very different to everyone else. I, th- I, I don't know anyone else who wrestles like she does, you know, for better or worse. It, it, at least yeah. the positive I take from it is that watching Saray is, is unlike watching unique style. anybody else. Very unique style. Um, she got through it without uh, a scratch, seemingly. She did do the uh, early on the the Ric Flair. I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> My God, <laughs> spot. Um, <laughs> turned out she was okay. Um, yeah, yeah. First I mean, back bump she took. She did the uh, oh no, I'm dying. I can't move. Yeah. Actually, I'm grand. Which don't do. Look, if if you're returning from a career ending injury or you're Ric Flair's age. Don't do the spot where you're pretending it's gone horribly wrong. It takes us out of the, the match, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't take me out of it, but I'm already yeah. I'm I'm already so worried that that's going to happen, and hoping that it doesn't. I don't appreciate when you f- pretend that that has happened. You know, that's what I mean because you're not selling an injury. I mean, wrestling is pretending to be injured. You right. know what I mean? So when so when someone does that, and you're like genuinely worried rather than fake worried. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it does kind of take take you out because you think, oh no, something's gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, let's yeah. say, let's say Denmark are playing this week in the World Cup, and Ericsson <laughs> starts having a heart attack, and then he just stands up and winks into the camera. <laughs> you'd be a little, you'd be a little bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I think that's slightly different. But anyway, I I thought it was quite a good match. I've seen some very harsh reviews of it online, but oh, I thought it was uh, it was good. That was like, pretty good. Three star, you know. Yeah. I've seen a lot of worse Britt Baker matches in the last like eighteen months. Hundred percent. This one, yeah. Um, so I thought they, you know, did pretty well. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I will say, towards the end, it did get a little bit into, um. 2018 NXT territory where they just hit 17 finishers. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that to it, but I, I I still enjoyed it a lot. And I was I was impressed with uh, Soraya for someone who hasn't uh, wrestled for a couple of years. She she looked she looked good, moved well, very loose. Like I said, loose limbed. Mm. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, then we had the three uh, large chested hoss men having their. Uh, their uh, match for the uh, the TNT title, Wardlow, Joe, and uh, Powerhouse. Yeah, the, my, my clearest memory of this match is Wardlow doing that fucking crazy sent on onto the two guys in the middle of the ring kind of. Move, yeah, I mean, Wh- whisper in the wind, right? Wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was like a whisper in the wind. I mean, you could put him in there with the, the six man guys and <laughs> with Dante Martin, have him do some flippy stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would almost lean into that for Wardlow a little bit as to to distinguish him from like a Hobbs or a Joe as being a big guy who can fly a little bit. Yeah, you know. Because he 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 was doing he was doing the Jeff Hardy moves. I know Jay he's, he's listed Jeff Hardy as, as a big inspiration in the past. He 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 did the, the whisper in the wind. He did a conventional, uh, Swanton bomb as well, at one point. Hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of big power moves in this. This is very enjoyable for for fans of that style. Uh, oh, gave Powerhouse Hobbs a couple of great power bombs, which which. Went without a hitch as well, which was tremendous. Um, and then Joe stole the damn pin. Uh, classic triple threat trope. Mm. Bit of an unexpected result. I, I wasn't coming into this expecting yeah. Samoa Joe TNT champion coming out of it, but, I mean, why not? I, I have to feel like it's a transitional thing. Possibly. So I, don't, I just don't think Samoa Joe has been that, you know, is he's not on a good trajectory, you know what I mean? I feel like he was gone for a long while, kind of came back. He's mm. he's not setting the world alight. I feel like maybe this is a way to get the belt onto could be like a Jungle Boy mm. or a Darby Allen or Possibly. someone like that uh, that nature uh, without Wardlow having to lose. I wonder if they might. What's the word? Like combine the TNT title with the Ring of Honor TV one. You just have one yeah, less championship them. floating around to unify. Well, I think they should do that with all of them. Get rid of all the Ring of Honor. Titles. Well, specifically that one feels like really just a, an extra belt that we don't need. The, the pure title at least has a bit of a novelty factor to it, and the world title is the world title, and the women's title and tag. Are they all women's different? Title, the, when was the women's title last seen? Well, Mercedes is on, Martinez is, is it on dark? Not even. She's been injured. All oh, right. Well. Pin that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just pin the fucking lot of them. Ring of Honor is shit. Anyone who says Ring of Honor is good needs a fucking brain examination. Um, Third rate shitty indie brand. <laughs> well, tell, tell Tony that. Uh, I'm trying, Will. I'm tweeting him. You don't listen. Um, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, match was fine. Match yeah. is fine. Now, really give this. Joe, I know. Your favorite wrestler in the world, yeah, uh, is Jay Lethal, right? Yeah. So it's time for him and Jeff Jarrett, who is in tremendous shape, by the way, still for someone his age. He looked great, didn't he? he looked like kind of he looked like TNA, TNA sort of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, like two thousand eight feuding with Kurt Angle. Mm. Um, although they were defeated by by Darby and Sting in, in a fun. I wouldn't say the, the best example, but a very fun Darby Sting, uh, no DQ match that they, they tend to have a lot these days. Yeah, it was, uh, they've created their own kind of genre. It's the, the Sting and Darby, uh, not quite a street fight, but kind of a brawling tag. Brawling the crowd. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a vintage example. Um, but it was, it wasn't, what was the one they had? Was it the six man tag? Um, yes. Was it with the um, Undisputed Elite or the Undisputed Era, whatever they were called? Right, yeah, I think you're I right. I think that one. I think it was that one. That was fantastic. I think Meltzer went five on that one. Or Possibly. Somewhere. It was five on that one. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't on that level, but it was quite fun. And I liked Satnam Singh was actually quite 
you know, played a entertaining role in this match yeah. as well with his big purple pants on. <laughs> I kept I kept looking at those pants going, look at those purple pants, and then it's and Taz, and then Taz, like, Taz yeah, Taz went on oh, purple pants. <laughs> I don't think there's any more purple in the world with them pants existed over there. <laughs> what the hell? Look at those purple pants for oh, thank, thank God he's not wearing orange. That'd be my gimmick I'd have to give out to him. Yeah, um, he was good. <laughs> what the hell is that gimmick? That's not purple SpongeBob, is it? Um very good. I mean, the only the only thing you might say is the uh, the finish with the lethal combination into the uh, the death drop was not done. Well, the smoothest, but I'll allow it. It was it was fun. close enough. It was close it enough. Was, it was it was in the ballpark. It, it was, was in the ballpark. We're not gonna we're not gonna get mad about that. That was perfect. Uh, you then had the holder of the best theme song in AW, Jamie Hader, yeah. uh, and Tony Storm. Great match. Great match. <laughs> Tremendous, one of the um, best, uh, best women's matches I've had. Mm. Maybe a little bit too much shenanigans, if you really want to nitpick on it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Little, little, yeah, little. I think you could have had just Brit coming out rather than... Rather than Wacky Rebel. Well. Yeah, but I didn't mind too much. I don't... I don't I don't mind a bit of interference, you know. It takes it takes me back to the Attitude Era where you'd have, you know, six or seven run-ins and <laughs> Patterson, and, Patterson and Briscoe, you know. The brain <laughs> must be over. Revels here with Breaker. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was great. I thought... Um, the match, the content of the match was great. It was fantastic. It Just was really, heavy, really heavy hitting, uh, lots of great near falls. Uh Two very talented women. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Certainly the best, best women's match they've had. Let's say this year. I don't. Th- I don't think good. I've enjoyed one as much as this one. Uh, no, yeah, the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa cage match earlier in the year that was pretty good. Mm, I think Do that was. Know? I think that was under their their lights out match though. I think I might have oh, yeah, this, yeah, this more. Yeah, not, the, yeah. I think I've enjoyed more, this more in the cage match. Yeah, I'd say maybe on a par for me, these two. But yeah, very, very, very good. And Jamie Hayter won, which is obviously fantastic because she's, yeah. she's great. the best. She's the greatest. God bless her. Underrated still, if anything, I'm going to say. Yes. Uh, acclaimed swerve in our glory. Again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. N- n- I don't think anything is going to reach what they did in that first uh, match it all out, but perfectly good. Perfectly good. I liked the, uh, they went the logical direction with the Keith Lee swerve story. It wasn't Keith Lee who was involved and was recording and that Keith Lee finally said, I've had enough of you sneaky swerve and your, your horror villain ways. And I'm out of here. And then you claimed, uh, they claimed one with their finish, which with a, a new finish, right? It was like a, it was a, it was like a, a magic killer into like a, a, yeah. fli- a flippy power bomb or something. It was, it was I'm trying fi- to work out what that. Was. What's the, sh- the shiver me timbers? Is that Sh- where they? That's the leg. That's, le- the, head that's the no shiver me timbers. The, the, um, the leg drop to the, the leg drop to, to the, the, the scrotum. Yeah, the three D kind of thing. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This was fine, but I think. I feel like the acclaimed were kind of background players to the 
the breakup. You know what I mean? They, it wasn't really about the acclaimed. It was about Swerve and, and Keith Lee, so, yeah. which is fine. And I, I would look forward to a match between those two. I think Keith Lee is someone as well who could be more of a, a breakout a kind of singles guy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know if he can reach those heights that he reached in WWE, but I just think back to like well, the NXT. Brock Lesnar. I was oh, thinking yeah, to like the, Bro- see- the Brock yeah. Lesnar stare down at the rum. Ooh, big boy. You know, that was, that felt like, fuck yeah, Keith Lee is like. Well, he was still in NXT at that time. That that was like yeah. the, the peak of his career. Once he came up to the main roster, he was. And then he got treated like a. He had a little, he had a little run and then he got. Also, the Roman Reigns, you know, when he was in NXT, the Roman Reigns Survivor Series stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He felt like he legitimately was up there with Reigns and Lesnar. And if, if, I mean, it's it's Vince thinking he's fat or whatever, you know, who knows? But I think if he had debuted under Triple H, I think he could be. I think he'd be like a WWE main eventer right now. Yeah, I think it'd be very different. And I think, well, it'd be worth at least seeing if he can kind of reach that level in AEW. Well, I tell you, Swerve is having a hell of a year, so that's that's definitely mm-hmm. a few to watch. I think there'll be some good shit coming out of that one. Yeah, excited for that. Um, and then we have MJF and Mox in the main event, uh, which MJF's entrance, my God! So he comes out, he says, "No, no, no, you're not. You, you got to do better than that." Mm-hmm. Goes back, comes out like Edge running around, fucking. Jinking and jiving, uh, puts his face into uh, a well endowed lady's uh, breasts at ringside. Um, <laughs> what a, what a star! What a star! This <laughs> lad is. Oh, it's money! It's yeah. money! He he gave her he gave her the Hong Kong of the week. Oof! Uh, um, Mox <laughs> Mox did his typical entrance with Regal. Of course, everyone was looking at William Regal saying, what's this fucker going to be doing here? Mm. Match itself was great. MJF has a real tendency to deliver when, when he does have a match. Anticipating now he's a champion, he'll probably have a few more. Um, he did not use the diamond ring, as promised. But uh, as we mentioned on this show, and as anyone with two eyes and a brain would have discerned, they they made it very obvious, made it clear Made us aware as viewers, William Regal carries around a pair of brass knucks with him. And that came into play here. He threw it to uh, MJF. MJF used it to his advantage, got the pinfall. There's a couple of ref bumps as you, as well. I think there were two ref bumps in this one. Um, and he won the belt. There wasn't any other post-show shenanigans uh, outside of that. The, only, like, the newsworthy happening was that he, he Regal assisted him in winning the title and we'll see where that leads on dynamite now um very interesting i mean as i said the match was very good mgf tapped out we got a visual tap out to a bulldog choke while the referee was down as well yeah um which leads me to believe that the first defense will probably be a rematch with moxley i think that'll be the first port call before they move like you said to a danielson or, or something could like be, that could be so winter is coming or something like that well, Winter is Coming is going to be what against is- the winner of Paige and Starks. That's what that's Oh, for. is that for Winter is Coming? That's so for maybe- Winter is Coming. They've got the holiday badge. I don't know if that's before or after Winter is Coming. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that'll probably happen. Anyway, I'm very interested to see what that means for is Regal going to be permanently associated now with MJF as in a kind of a manager role? Will What does that mean for the Combat Club? Will they be rebranded or dismantled? Um, lots of questions, lots of little 
ooh, threads that make me want to watch Dynamite, mm. which is what you should, uh, is what your pay-per-views should kind of uh, have as their objective and should fulfill that objective. And I think that pretty, pretty well did it here. Uh, very good match, as I said. Surprised that there was no blood because uh, Excalibur made clear early on when they were going through the Draft Kings promotions Will MJF bleed? Will Moxley bleed in the main event? Uh, I'd say they made some money off that by having neither of them bleed. Mm. Um, but then that kind of, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that where you have a cage match, have the focus on the blood in that. You don't need then to have blood also your main event. No. It was great. Great match. Very, very, very much enjoyed it. And that was the pay per view. And then we had a very innocuous press conference. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, very well behaved. Very, very well behaved. And that was it. That's your uh, AEW TV and pay-per-view review. Very good show. Very good show. And I think a lot of the right decisions in terms of... If you look at the lineup of champions now, it's uh, it's a lot of new, a lot of fresh, young, homegrown yeah. talent. That's all right. That's what we need. It's what we want. Yeah, and Smojo. Damn it. And Smojo. <laughs> And Samoja. And Samoja. Well, I think that's transitional. So I'll let that go. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. As you mentioned, Joe, the other happening, and mm. I, I'm all suited up for it. Another, li- yeah. again, the listeners yeah. can't see. The World Cup, or some people on Twitter are referring to it as the Woke Cup. Oh. Oh. Harry Kane's got a little rainbow heart on his captain's armband. Cow fucking PC gone mad, mate. Which I don't agree with for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what. Um, um, so I assume you watched the, the big match. I watched cool. I watched the ground shaking, earth shattering Qatar Ecuador showdown. Um now Joe, wanna get your, your take on this. Which is worse, right? Uh, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, or <laughs> Qatar as a football team? <laughs> I think you're going to say what was worse, the uh, Qatari crowd or the Connecticut crowd. And that's, Ooh, that's actually a good point. <laughs> At least the Connecticut crowd stayed for the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw the fake like cheerleaders, not cheerleaders, but they had like a little section of Qataris wearing, the, with, with the Qatar wearing exactly the same T-shirt, yeah. doing their coordinated, like, Ooh, ooh, yeah, very I'm transparent. Fucking, I, what what broadcaster did you watch this? Uh, this I, I watched it on Radio Telefijeren, RTE two, the, the Irish uh, national uh, national television broadcaster. Yeah, because I, um, I mean, was I, this I, I was this on multiple stations in in the UK? No, it was on it was on BBC. Okay, it was only on BBC and. Um, I got the sense that they weren't taking it very seriously when they announced that Dion Dublin was the co-commentator for the match. Okay. So I've literally, I've never heard him commentate on a match before. Um, right. He's probably currently most well known for doing. He's like a punditry. I think it's ho- punditry. No, he does the homes under the hammer. Like one of those types. Oh, does he? Because I know I've catching seen him. The, catching the attic. I think it might be that one. I've seen I'm him do sure. punditry. I think he did for the Aston Villa. He did, yeah, United he did the League Cup. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's it. They get him out for like the Caramel Cup. That's yeah. his kind of level. 
But he, and every time they cut to these fans, he was going, oh, well, you know, they're having a great time. They're enjoying themselves. They're just having fun, Michael. And like later on, when, when everyone had left, they were still there. We going, oh, well, they're still enjoying that. It's like, fucking hell, get a clue. Anyway, so um, the match itself was <laughs> a bit of a stinker. Well, let me tell you, Qatar, right? Mm, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse um, national team. Like, and I've seen fucking San Marino play. Mm. This Qatar, or okay, let's say in a World Cup, right? This Qatar team don't have a hope. They are uh, so they're so bad. They are. Yeah. Uh, it's like when you when when you play San Marino and they're like bakers and stuff and they're semi-professional <laughs> yeah. these lads hadn't a clue like um offered nothing going forward only lost two nil because ecuador at halftime their manager obviously said to them said, lads. let's just relax so that we can go into the next game yeah. with some energy you know, energy yeah. reserve um yeah, I mean Ecuador handily, handily beat them. Could have, could have had more if they were bothered to do so. Um, yeah, I mean uh, probably one of the the worst World Cup kickoff games I've ever seen in terms well, of being a competitive game. Yeah, and the quality just the overall because Ecuador are oh shit. To be honest, they're not they're not a good team. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to get through uh, above Senegal or Netherlands. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I would favour the other two, but yeah, worst opening match I've ever seen. Like I cannot even like Russia Saudi Arabia. That wasn't good quality, great quality. But, but Russia, Russia won, won like four nil, five right? nil, I think five. Okay, yesterday, yeah. But and Russia played fairly well. Yeah, you know, they you know, they put a, a, a statement out there at least. There was nothing spirited. You don't take anything it's from horrible. this. Uh, meaningless match that'll have no impact on, on the tournament. Like um I mean my only memory that I'll I'm sure that I'll keep from this was will, will be Morgan Freeman walking around with a, a lad with no legs on the pre show. Which is very <laughs> odd. Very weird. Yeah, so I didn't see that. They, they didn't actually show that on the BBC. Okay. Well they they showed it on RT as they talked over it about what a disgrace the tournament is. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. I would have preferred that, to be honest. I think I would have preferred this. RTE had a very anti Qatar, um, you know, uh, approach to 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 their right. coverage. They spent the first hour talking about how how corrupt FIFA is, <laughs> what a disgrace it is that the journalists have in there, which was <laughs> uh, yeah, refreshing. Um. And then the match was was yeah a bit of a stinker. It, it was exciting early on when Ecuador scored after a minute, and we all laughed yeah. at Qatar. We all thought, oh yeah, they can get battered. They're gonna get battered. And then when it came here, apparent that Ecuador were, were gonna sell what they had, that it kind of ran out of steam. We do have some good um, matches upcoming. Obviously, um, England tomorrow. It's coming um, so I'll be I'll be working in the week uh, f- with my laptop sat in front of the television watching every oh, game. Oh, of course. Yeah. Looking forward to that. We have uh, Iran. Is it Iran? England tomorrow. Wales, yeah. USA, and Senegal, Netherlands. That's a good little. That's a good little. Um, good spread little of schedule. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then obviously later in the week we'll see. Uh, I'm wearing I'm wearing the Belgium jersey, folks. By the way, in case you, you know, you're wondering. <laughs> I have um 
I, I've obviously in uh, taken part in a draw a sweepstakes, uh, whatever you want to call it, and I, I, separate to the one Joe that, that we're doing between between right. us us friends. Uh, and I got Belgium, so I've I've splashed out on the uh, the kit, and and I've gone for the obscure. I've got number seventeen printed on on, on it, which is uh, I'll show the back there. Is uh, Leandro uh, Trossard went just went just went for an obscure player. I, could, I look as a United fan, I can't have he, I can't have De Bruyne. I can't have uh, Lukaku. Lukaku yeah. Can't have. Hazard, really. So I, I went. I, I was looking through the list. I said, "Who is someone that's kind of likable enough, but also like obscure enough for it to be kind of funny?" And I went, "All right, I'll buy a jersey and I stick Trossard seventeen on the back." And that's what I've ended up with. So, uh, and also this jersey uh, is one of the funniest with these flame effects on the sleeves. Mm. I feel like I'm wearing kind of the 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 football equivalent of like an affliction shirt. <laughs> um, otherwise, quite a nice, quite a nice kit. But obviously, the the it's nice, yeah. the it's it's like a football jersey you'd make in in the No Mercy create a wrestler screen. Just want to put flames on the sleeves. Um. So yeah, very much looking forward to the rest of the tournament. We also had since we last spoke, Joe, the Ronaldo interview. Uh, yeah, and all that. Yeah. So his goose is obviously cooked as far as uh, playing for United goes. We won't be coming back, which is fine by me. No, he won't be coming home. Um, he's yeah, he's not good. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the general consensus is, as far as his interview goes, you know, a lot of stuff he said is 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 fair game about the the, the state of the club and all that. But that's not why he's doing it. So no, 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 absolutely not. It's yeah, it's it, it, it's wholly transparent. Uh, what what he was trying to do here. Um, and talk talking about he wants to be you know be an example and this and that. It's like, well, you're a 37 year old man acting like a, a, a child throwing throwing the toys out of the pram. You know, you you don't put me on for three minutes against Spurs. You don't do that to me. I don't respect the manager. He showed me disrespect. It's like fucking shut up and do your job or take I. You know. Um. Yeah, he's. He, I think he he exists in 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 a world outside of reality. I just, you know, you hear a lot about footballers, uh, especially the younger, the younger ones these days, that they they get given so much at an early age and they just they don't have a concept of what real life is like, what the world is like. Mm. I think Ronaldo has has a lot of that warped sense of reality, where I'm sure he thinks what he's doing is perfectly logical and perfectly okay. Um, very um, eerie echoes of CM Punk as well. Very, talking like the, the very young guys, so. yeah, the young guys don't listen to me. I'm yeah. disrespected. Blah blah blah. Just like quite a bit of a bubble. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're. I think you're on the money with that one. Um. So yeah, and I mean, I mean, the 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 real underlining thing of this is that he's he's done this in what's maybe been his his worst ever performing season where it's it's obvious as far as him being a top line player that the wheels have kind of come off that you know okay fair enough there's there's personal uh happenings in in his life that have happened that were that were very unfortunate mm-hmm. and, and obviously they have they have an impact as well but as far as as being a player you know he talks about you know you don't put me on for 3 minutes against spurs but he played full games even as recently as the the Premier League lost Aston Villa, where he was 
you know, absolutely atrocious as far as his performance goes. You know, and you you see the statistics, Sky Sports uh, or whoever, very quick to be like, here's the stats. United with Ronaldo, United without Ronaldo. (laughs) Click on our tweets or whatever. It's very apparent that United are, are, are a better functioning team without Ronaldo than with. And that, that even goes back to last season, even with Ronaldo scoring all the goals he scored, the negative impact on, on the team his presence has, uh, I don't think can be underlined. Anyway, uh, thanks, for, thanks for your service over the years, lad. Off you go now to uh, wherever, Arsenal or someone. Some, some other team will, will take that ball and chain and... Hopefully that'll uh, play into our hands. I'd love him. I'd love him to go to to an Arsenal or a Chelsea, uh, just to 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 be an anchor to weigh down those teams at a weekend. Oop, hop over them with our, our fast attacking uh, mm-hmm. players. Anyway, that's your news. Uh, maybe one of the longest news segments we've ever done. So we'll, we'll, luckily, we don't have too long of a yeah. um, a rundown here. We do have a quiz, Joe. Do you want to explain to me? Uh, explain to me the Meltzer driver. Explain to me what this <laughs> what this quiz is. So it's twenty questions, but instead of that, uh, ten questions. And mm. I've selected a World Cup Golden Boot winner Ooh. from yesteryear. Okay. And you have ten questions to try and figure out. Okay, there uh, can't be too many of those. Is. No, and I, I haven't beaten anyone from like nineteen thirty-eight. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that benefit because you're probably not going to guess uh you yeah. know i mean it was probably a uruguay player because they wanted that year well yeah uh you, you're probably not going to get aldrich nedjedly from 1934 who's a czech player no i, I would not have got him so i've, I've picked someone maybe you, you do have a chance okay. of guessing so when you're ready please please begin okay is this uh was this golden boot winning campaign on or after the year 2000? I mean, it wouldn't be on because there was no World Cup that year. But after after the year 2000? No. Okay, pre-2000. Um, did this player ever play in the Premier League? Not the English League, keep in mind. The Premier League post-92-93. Specifically? Specifically the Premier, Premier League. League. Uh, yes. Okay. So, based on that, I would think that this World Cup would maybe be at the earliest, like an 80... 82 at the earliest. They might have played in the Premier League at, at towards the, the tail end of their career. 82 at the earliest, and obviously it's it's pre-82 to 98. Mm. Um, was this campaign in the 1990s? Yes, it was. Okay, so we're talking... 1994 98. Mm-hmm. So the winners, obviously, 1990 was West, West Germany, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. 94, um, Brazil. 98, France. Um, but played in the Premier League. So maybe more likely to be Germany or France. I, I'm thinking Brazil in 94. And now, to be fair, the Golden Boot winner doesn't necessarily need to have played for the winner. I'm, I'm obviously That's true. aware of that, but I'm thinking Brazil in 94, I'm sure they probably would have had one of the Golden Boots, maybe a Romario or Bebeto. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking maybe 90, 1998 might be the most likely. 
Um, uh, so yeah, let me just. I, I think. I think. Given that I only have ten, 10 questions, I might. Yeah. I might be better suited here to isolate a year, and then work from there. Was this? Uh, is this from the nineteen ninety eight World Cup, Joe? Yes, it was. Okay, World Cup. Okay, so let's try and work out a team. Is did this player play for uh, France? No. No. Okay. So not the winner. Okay, so let me think. France beat who did France beat in the '98 World Cup final? Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> they beat Brazil because I remember Ronaldo was wasn't there like an illness or something in the lead up to the final, and they they, they underperformed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this might be the year. Uh, oh, see, I'm, I'm trying to think now. Am I mixing up? Um, the Euros with the World Cup. Because I know, uh, and again, I'm again. this isn't me. Joe has me on camera. I'm not looking up anything. I'm not doing any cheating here. Um, if I know my World Cup, like I hope I do, I think there was a, a player, but I, I have a player in mind who it might be, but I might be conflating a Euros campaign with the World Cup. Okay. So France beat Brazil. I'm trying to think who would have been in the third, fourth place playoff that year. Right. Okay, I'm going to do a little bit of a Hail Mary here. If it is who I'm thinking of, because I, I still have, uh, in case this doesn't work, I still have enough questions to try and claw back. Did this player play for uh, Croatia? Yes, they did. Okay. Um. Uh, we got question seven. Then did this player you mentioned they play in the Premier League? Did they play for uh, Arsenal at at one point? Yes, they did. Okay, right. I'll go for I'll go for a, a, a and I'll go for the guess on, on number eight. Um, a name that I haven't thought about for a while, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, is the player that you have in mind, Joe? Is it Davor Suker? Well, after eight. Questions, Paul. You've guessed Davos Suka. Yeah. And you are absolutely correct. It was Davos Suka that I had in mind. Winner of the 1998 uh, Golden Boot Trophy. Very with, good. Uh, five goals, I believe. Yes. Uh, so six goals. Yes. Finished ahead of. Oh, how's this for runners up? Gabriel Battistuta and Christian Vieri. Very good. Argentina, Argentina and Italy, respectively. That was the age of the striker. I mean, Yes, Battistuta Vieira, oh. Suker. Even see, even oh, Suker at his Suker was great yes. at his peak. Was he was he at Inter Milan before Arsenal? Am I thinking right there? I think he definitely was at Inter. I don't know if that's. Yeah. Oh, no, Inter. Who am I thinking of? Um, Who would Suker? Ronaldo. Play? Ronaldo was at Inter. He was yeah. at Real Madrid. Davos Suker. Okay. Okay. Sevilla then Real Madrid. I don't really remember him being at Sevilla. But, okay. <laughs> Very good, Joe. I think. Um, the 1998 World Cup, I think, was the first World Cup that I properly watched. I have memories yeah. of the 94 one, but I was only six. I actually was five going on six in 94, so I don't have a mm-hmm. full understanding of it. But I remember Suker, and then he obviously he went to Arsenal um, shortly after that. Okay, very good. Happy I got that, because when, when you yeah. told me what this was going to be, I was a little bit worried. But uh, I think you picked one that kind of lined up with what I would know. A fun one. Yeah. A fun one. Very good. Okay, that was nice. Right, let's move on to our, our usual um, segments, which we don't call guffs anymore. Uh, movies. Joe, what have you been watching? 
A couple of movies. Um, Start off with one that's not particularly good. We watched Disenchanted, (laughs) which is the sequel to uh, the Disney movie Enchanted from several several years ago. Yeah, Amy Adams movie. Um, So it's about a a fairy tale princess that travels into the real world. It's Mm. kind of a classic fish out of water story. And the first one was very enjoyable. A lot of kind of memorable moments. Nice story. It plays on the kind of tropes of classic Disney princess movies. It was fun. Um, as studios are want to do, they've kind of revived it a little bit like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, where it's like right. a, d- a decade later when all the kids that watched it are now in their 30s and worried about their mortgage. They've gone, mm, let's do a <laughs> sequel to that um, so that people will watch it out of nostalgia. Right. Um, and it was, it was fine. So it basically kind of follows up on the you know, the happily ever after, but in the course in the real world, there is no happy ever after you actually have to carry on living. So it kind of follows them after that. And they're not very happy and things aren't going well. And then there's some kind of big magical MacGuffin and everything goes wrong. And it goes Mm -hmm. from there. And it was, it was fine. It's a completely sort of one of those unnecessary sequels. That's not as charming as the original. Right. And you think, well, fine, but (laughs) I'd rather just be better off watching the original again. You know what I mean? Yes. Just, why not? Why not do that? Um, so not not too much to say on that. It's on Disney Plus if you want to watch it for for free or for okay. ten or a month. Um, the other movie we watched, we went to the cinema on Saturday morning Ooh. Um, to see a film called Living. Uh, that's um, is I didn't know, I didn't know too much about it. Um, Michelle was very keen to see it. I think based on. Uh, reviews or is this the Letitia Wright one or am I thinking of a different one? No, this is a different one. This is the okay. uh, Bill Bill Nighy okay, um, okay. stars in it, uh, and it is a remake of a Kurosawa film oh. called uh, Ikiru, made in 1952. Right, um, it's an English language adaptation. I think the first ever English language adaptation of that film, uh, written by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, author of uh, Never Let Me Go mm-hmm. and many other wonderful books. Um, I so it was it was a great film. It was very very good. It stars Bill Nye. He is a kind of very grey faced, po faced kind of civil servant in nineteen fifties Britain. Right, one of those kind of men who's sort of a hangover from the pre war period. You know, not very emotional. Mm-hmm. Goes to work every day. Comes home. Stiff upper on the lip. Table, stiff upper lip. Doesn't like to talk to his family you know that kind of thing right and the the um catalyst is he he finds out not not too much of a spoiler because this is the premise of the film he finds out that he's unwell he's got an illness and that kind of sparks off a change in his life and it kind of follows his transition and his and really the the title of the film is living and it's really about Mm. you know getting to that point in life where you've kind of just so bogged down in the everyday you know grind of the routine where you just forget to actually live you forget to actually kind of embrace the small moments and to experience right. joy and to really you know break out of the of the norm um so it kind of follows bill nye doing that and i think he's the perfect choice because he he's so kind of charming but he can also play um i'm sure you remember his turn in in shawn of the dead where he plays the kind of grumpy uh of course. You know, stepfather He's actually a you know, grumpy stepfather with a heart of gold. That's how I describe it. And he kind of similar here where he on the surface, very kind of, you know, short shrift and grumpy, but actually, you know, beneath there's a very kind sort of man lurking. Right. And he plays that. And 
He's fantastic. Um, also stars Amy Lou Wood, who's in Sex Education, mm-hmm. who is, is very, very good. She kind of plays a sort of a almost bordering on stereotype, but kind of feisty northerner who works in this stuffy office and who kind of teaches him to, you know, be a bit more carefree. Right. Uh, and then a brilliant supporting cast kind of throughout. You know, it's very sort of 1950s English, as you say, stiff up, stiff up a lip. Everyone's scared to actually say what they think. There's no, there's no emotion. Uh, Princess Diana hadn't come along yet to kind of turn <laughs> us all into yeah. free spirits who are happy to, you know, cry in public and share our emotions. So, sure. Um, yeah, but very, very subtle film. Lots of kind of subtle moments. I would say visually sumptuous. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful shots in it. Um, beautiful, especially quite, quite gray and drab locations, you know, like a civil service office or train mm. station or, you know, one of the bridges in London, just very kind of ordinary, but the way they were filmed just makes it feel very kind of special. Right. So I would, I would heartily, uh, recommend living. Oh, um, it's a very, very nice story. Um, some wonderful acting and, um, yeah. Take take away kind of a sad, but at the same quite optimistic and hopeful at the same time. So, big thumbs Sounds up good. for for living with Bill Nighy. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that Letitia Wright film I was thinking of. Sorry, it's that's actually called Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how I mix those up. Um, just one film for me this week. Uh, I saw. Our friends in uh, over at Red Letter Media put out a review for a film that I'd been meaning to see called Barbarian. And I mm. said, well, there's not going to be a better opportunity for me to watch it or have a reason to watch it than for there to be a review out. So I said, okay, let me let me watch this film first and then I'll watch the review. Um, so Barbarian is first and foremost is a film that is best seen with very little prior knowledge. It's a, it's a 2022 uh, horror film mm-hmm. uh, starring Bill Skarsgård, Georgina Campbell. And the basic, really base premise, uh, which is a, as much as I knew going in, basically, is that... Um, is that a woman uh, rents an Airbnb and she meets Bill Skarsgård of uh, It fame, mm-hmm. Pennywise, which I think Barry mentioned last week. That's always uh, good news when you bump into him in a horror movie. And it goes from there and then things happen. Um, so I thought that Barbarian was uh, very, very good. I think it's I think it's one for both sides of the horror movie divide. I think both gore hounds and bumps in the night uh, horror movie fans will will be equally satisfied by it. It's it's neither extreme in either side. It's kind of mm. right in the middle of those two things, but it'll satisfy you know both sides. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of social commentary in it, not 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 super subtle, but I think well handled. Um, the performances are great across the board in it. Um, towards the end, there are some 
moments that are a little knowingly silly or comedic. But the film overall obviously doesn't have a comedic tone, but there are some moments towards the end that, that are a little bit like that, but it doesn't take away or undercut the the horror. I think it, I think it's done quite well. And so, yeah, I mean, I will give it a, a big, big recommendation. Um, I thought, and actually I've seen some kind of more sniffier reviews of it, especially when it, it first came out. But I, th- I think compared to something like The Empty Man, which I also enjoyed, but I thought Empty Man had a bit too much going on. I think Barbarian kind of nails it insofar as having a strong concept at the at the center of it and not burdening it burdening it with too much extra story points. It's it's very to the point. It's not a super long movie. I think it's like um hour 35, hour 40, which is I think perfect for the kind of movie it is. Um I will say in it, one of the most tense sections since I watched the little movie called The Blair Witch Project. It was a bit where, and it's not because there's anything particularly intense happening in the movie, but there is there is a, a very effective use of kind of, you know, uh, paranormal activity. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, fi- it's, it's a film that I didn't like at all. It's shit. Boring toss, right? But paranormal activity does very well the the idea of the door creaks open what the what the fuck's behind the door and you just see the darkness what's out there oh barbarian has a, has a, a, a section during it that uses that kind of same idea of i guess when you're out in the dark the idea of what's out there can be scarier than mm. what's ultimately out there you know and uh, without getting into it there's a section where there's a, there's a, I, I want to, I don't, I want to even go into it, but I, I thought there was some, some very, very good, uh, very good little tense. Ooh, what's it, what's it gonna be? Stuff in it. So I'll give it a big old, I'll give it a big old thumbs up. Nice. Um, I, I'll say for people who are. On the fence, especially you know when you get recommended a movie and you're told just watch it without knowing anything about it. I mean, you you kind of don't have a good sense of whether it's going to be a movie for you. So I'll say very vaguely, and this isn't even a, a direct comparison, or, or or I'm not even saying that there are even similarities with regards to the plot or anything. But I would say certainly maybe from a, a feeling point or, or whatever. I'd say if if people enjoyed something like, um. Uh, lights out or don't breathe i i, I say it's maybe along uh, a similar wavelength to those uh, I, I i quite like don't breathe i i never saw the sequel i, I believe the sequel was um was toss as well <laughs> but uh barbarian very very good very good would recommend um and that's the only that's the only movie i watch i i still am meaning to watch see how they run i still haven't got uh, it Still haven't got around to it, but it's coming. Uh, in regards to television, let me give a little um, quick review of some of the stuff I watched. So, uh, closed up shop on uh, the final season, part one, which is which is a funny way of of saying not actually the final season. The final season, part one of three of Attack on Titan. I finished just before we started recording. Very enjoyable, although definitely the slowest p- 
period of uh, of that show. Um, very little uh, fighting giants and very lots of talking in that series. Uh, and I have to wait for part two to come out on Blu-ray, and it has no scheduled release date outside oh. of Japan. It came out in Japan on Blu-ray in August. And it's mm-hmm. outside of Japan, nothing announced. So uh, I could obviously get a crunchy roll subscription <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. no. Even though even though that would be a more cost-effective way of watching it, to be honest, now that I think of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a break anyway. I'm going to watch something else. I, I'm, I'm definitely a person who will not watch all the episodes of a show Nathan, for you, for example, I won't just watch them all. I watch a season of it, and then I have to watch something else, and then I'll come back to it. But Attack of Titans finished, also finished Great British Bake Off. Uh, did you watch the finale of that show? Yeah, I did. Um, a bit disappointed with the quality this year. It was it was poor, wasn't it? Subpar. None of them were, were like... Good. <laughs> <laughs> You know I was I, mean? ha- I was I was happy with the winner, um, just because they're very nice. But in terms of yeah, as you say, mm. quality wasn't there. I don't know if I'm going to keep up with it. I also found this year that Great British Bake Off, while while a fun concept, is is it's not really a show that's fun to watch on your own. Yeah, either. I found it a little bit of a slog. Um, but yeah, otherwise I watched also season two. I watched the 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 further two episodes of white lotus uh which is the last episode was really bloody good uh if anyone out there listening is still despite my repeated uh praise for it if people out there have not watched white lotus i would still highly recommend that people get on that it is on sky uh, atlantic so if you have sky or sky go you can watch it on there but yes, please watch. Uh, please watch the White Lotus. It is. Uh, it's one of my favorite shows currently. Although I will, I will caveat that by saying that I think season two. Now that we're three episodes in, I can think I can conclusively say it's not quite as good as season one, but it's still, uh, it's still a very, very good watch. It's the old White Lotus. Now, Joe, as far as TV goes, you've been watching as if the World Cup itself will not be enough over the next month or so you've been watching football documentaries up the wazoo i've been watching a lot of everything football related on youtube i think i started a bit too early because by the time the tournament started i just was like bored of it <laughs> re-watching the old yeah i watched all the world cup goals packages. i did as well i watched goal compilations i watched all of them but i, I finished them all like two weeks ago so now okay. <laughs> I, was like, I had to re-watch them all in the last weeks so there was nothing else to watch and i don't like I don't like watching the Euros goal packages before a World Cup. I will only okay. watch the World Cup goal packages before a World Cup, and then okay. the Euro ones before the Euros. I, I Makes can't, sense. I don't like to mix. So, um, yeah, but watched a few documentaries this week. So Netflix released their four-part uh, FIFA documentary, which mm. goes into these mm, the kind of it actually tells the history of FIFA, kind of going way back to I think like 50s or 60s mm-hmm. um, but really kind of focuses on the Qatar uh, kind of bid and the Russia World Cup uh, right. bid victory and those, those two that were kind of I remember that fateful day about 12 years ago they were announced at the same time it was like Russia 2018 and everyone was like oh fucking hell and then it was like 
Qatar 2022. Oh my God, what the fuck? I do remember. Like, yeah. What are they doing? It was it was shameful. They kind of go into the corruption that, that led to that. It was even more it shameful is. because England were going, weren't England going for it for the 2018? 2018, yeah. And yeah. the USA for 2022, who both by far had technically much better bids, but of course you didn't bribe anyone. That was their big mistake. Yeah. Um, and it, it, so they go into all the corruption and it is so brazen. I mean, it's literally, you know, let's just say, let's do- just say there, the Qatar bid moved me to a bigger <laughs> house, <laughs> to a bigger Island. Um, it's literally dollar bills in, in brown envelopes. I mean, yeah. Pad- no, no the padded lope as they call it. Yeah, literally. Um, and even like the South Africa bid that apparently was completely just paid for even though you kind of think with south africa everyone was happy that it was going to africa finally and they were a good host and they had the facilities and everything so it wasn't the same kind of problems you had with Qatar. but at the same time they did just pay to get it they do just bribe everyone um and really the the conclusion at the end is i don't think much has really changed you know gianni infantino uh, is still there and he's essentially the heir to set blatter he's, he's <laughs> seems to be no different yeah, he, um, he went on his own mad tirade yeah. this week he's, he's another nutter um, <laughs> I am a gay I am a woman I'm gay I'm from I'm Qatar Jew, I'm a woman I'm a Muslim I'm a bitch I'm a lover so, yeah, I don't think much has, has changed. But the funny thing is, Sepp Blatter himself was against Qatar getting the World Cup. Mm. And he was, you know, president of corruption. Yeah. Um, but I think he even realized that it was too, that was too, a step too far. It was too blatant. You know, you have to keep it plausible when you're corrupt. You can't, you can't make it too obvious. Right. Um, so, yeah, very enjoyable, but very sad kind of documentary that goes back to like the origins of. Uh, FIFA as well. Yeah. So that was good. Um, on a different note, watching a lot of the match of the day uh, kind of World Cup specials, which is essentially Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, and Micah Richards sat in Gary Lineker's house, uh, just picking like top tens, uh, you know, top 10 World Cups, top 10 right. goals, top 10 players. They do, there's like quite a few of these. And they're all very, very funny. And they really. <laughs> It's kind of a podcast, but um, obviously it's it's visual. It's not a podcast, yeah. but they kind of speak in such a relaxed way. It might as well be like an audio podcast. It's like us talking. You know, yeah. They're just very kind of freewheeling, mm-hmm. swearing, joking. They barely talk about the actual topic. It's just a lot of, a lot of joking around. It's very, very funny. Very, very enjoyable. Um, so we're watching, watching a lot of those. And also watched uh, the Ronaldo documentary on, I think I think it was on, on BBC iPlayer. Mm. Um, this is of course the original Ronaldo, not the the brat that we've been talking about. This is uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo, the star of '98 uh, and 2002 World Cups, uh, who was a brilliant player. I mean, easy mm. to forget just how like scary he was. Um, and I think in those days it was. It was kind of even more so because you didn't you didn't get to see these players like every week, whereas now we see Messi and as soon as Messi scores a goal, it's on Twitter, right? Yeah. Like literally, ten seconds later, you see the goal, you see everything about them. In the nineties, you didn't really see that. Like you only saw clips of Ronaldo occasionally, or you saw him at World Cups, and yeah. so in a way, he was kind of like this uh, terrifying like enigma. Oh my God, Ronaldo! He's going to score a 
million goals and he's going to destroy us. But that was the aura of the Brazilian team back then. I yeah, like. they they had that kind of aura. Compare it to like wrestlers not appearing on TV every week. You know, mm. back in the day, you only, you only saw them on special occasions, so it was yeah. it was more special. But it focuses on um, the first half on the nineteen ninety eight World Cup, as we as we mentioned earlier. You know, him essentially having a fit before the final because of the anxiety of the pressure he was under. And then eventually he did play in the final, but was completely obviously not up to scratch. Yeah. France won three now. So it tells the story of that and what kind of happened in the fallout. And then the second half is really his recovery from that. He was played with injuries throughout, you know, his career. He actually only played between the 98 world cup and the 2002 World Cup, he played 24 games mm. in those four years because he was just constantly out injured. Um, but then it finishes with obviously the triumphant kind of 2002 performance where he uh, scored goal after goal after goal and won the World Cup for Brazil. Um, yeah. So it was a, a brilliant story and a kind of brilliant reminder of uh, the stories that can come through World Cups like that. So Yeah, I mean, I was discussing with someone in the week about the World Cup that it just seems like maybe because it only happens every four years that everything is amplified, everything is elevated, mm. but it seems like every World Cup there are historical happenings, historical moments. Yeah. Even even in Russia, the most recent one, you had you know, Ronaldo against Spain getting the, the hat-trick, the free kick that was so inevitably going to go in. Yeah. You know, you had uh, Brazil um, Germany in 2014. You know, you had the James Rodriguez goal. Yeah, 2010 in South Africa, the the Van Persie goal. Spain, Spain being beaten five one by the Netherlands. You know, there's, mm. there always seems to be these weirdly uh, memorable happenings, and it's you know, again, because the World Cup only happens every four years. I don't know. It's just there's there's a there's a there's a magic about it. There's a. Uh, uh, that, that's what I'm so excited about to, to watch now again this uh, this year because I even think the, the the most recent Euros had had a little bit of that to it, but as you said, not exactly a World Cup. So hopefully we get some some similar stuff here. Mm-hmm. Right, that do this for TV. Yeah, and then I'll just I'll just touch on two little video games and we can take it home. Uh, I did finish. These are both Nintendo Switch games. So, Xbox and PlayStation players, sit down. We're in Nintendo world for a minute here. Uh, I did finish Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, which mm. is uh, which is great, great little game. And uh, to get a little bit nerdy on it for for a second here, one of, one of my favorite things about Mario and Rabbit's is the the soundtrack, the score. And I, I only realized later on. That it is um, Grant Kirkhope who did the uh, who did the music for Mario and Rabbits. Now Grant mm. Grant Kirkhope, for those in, in the know, uh, did the music for uh, a lot of rare games um, back in the Nintendo sixty four era. He did the music for uh, Banjo Kazooie. He worked on the music for Goldeneye 007. Um so when I was playing Mario Rabbids, I said, this this music has definitely got a little bit of Banjo-Kazooie-ness to it. And it's the same guy who did the music, and that's why. Mm. Um, so for anyone who has a nostalgia for the rare 
N64 era games, that you you already have a direct gateway into a, a similar, um, not necessarily that it plays the same way, but certainly the experience has certain similarities. Uh, but yeah, Mario Rabbit's just a really clever little um, strate- strategy game, little turn-based, grid-based, XCOM-style strategy game. Never, never gets frustrating. Um, even bosses, I think at most it was a boss I had to do maybe four or five times. But every time you do it, you have a little bit more understanding of the best tactics, the best strategy to to uh, deploy. And obviously, that being wrapped in uh, in in a Mario uh, world, Mario uh, disguise makes it even more accessible and more fun. The story is obviously very wacky and. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really enjoyable. I uh, would highly recommend that. I will try and get the uh, the sequel played at some point as well. Uh, and then Pokemon Violet and Pokemon Scarlet came out on Friday. N- the new Pokemon games. Generation 9 or whatever they're on now. Uh, so I was obviously very uh, critical of the uh, the previous Pokemon game. Not, not necessarily the previous mainline one. But the previous release, which was a remake of the fourth generation of Pokemon games, Pokemon Pearl and, and Diamond, which, let me tell you, that remake absolutely stunk. Uh, I would not recommend it at all. Probably the worst game I've played this year. Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon Violet, happily, is a lot a lot better. Um, totally revolutionized the, uh, the structure of the game. It's now a, a fully open world, even compared to... Legends Arceus, uh, which was released last year, which was um, done in, in, in what was ostensibly an open world, but actually was like five separate mini smaller wor- worlds, let's say. Um, so, so far, like I said, very different experience. Uh, I do like a lot of the design choices they made. The battle system has been streamlined a little bit. So you don't spend as much time watching cutscenes that are like you're you're in a battle now. It just you're in and you're out. It kind of integrates it more into the the, the ex- exploring the world experience, which I, I think has been done quite well. There's like main quests now instead of just sequentially go from town to town and and get to the end of the game. Now you have different objectives and different tasks you're doing as you explore the world. Um. I've only played it for a few hours so far. I'm kind of thinking that the novelty is potentially going to wear off at some point. I'm hoping that they introduce more things to do as you know you get further into the game. We'll see if we'll see if they do or not. Uh, although I think po- I think Pokemon as a as a series lends itself to uh, open world in terms of having lots of items that you can find and kind of. Uh, you know, uh, incentivize exploring by having TMs or items like that hidden in, in, in cool little locations. I like what they've done with the Pokedex as well. They've restructured that visually. That makes it feel a lot more satisfying to control, to capture all the Pokemon. Uh, and yeah, one positive about it is that compared to previous games is that I'm very like with barbarian. I'm very unspoiled on it. I, I made a point to not watch trailers and videos about it so that it's all kind of brand new to me as I play it. But yeah, I must be. I must have played it for about five hours so far, and very much enjoying. Um, definitely a lot less handholdy than what was the what did I say the previous one was called? Shining Pearl, where every mm-hmm. two minutes someone is like, "Do you know what a Pokemon is? You can do this." I'm like, "Yeah, I played fucking 
15 of these games. Stop telling me. Violet is definitely a lot more accepting of the fact that a big uh, percentage of the players will have already played a Pokemon game. So it spends a lot less time explaining to you the mechanics of the game and, and what the game is. So that, that's appreciated as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know early on. I, I have a feeling I'm kind of almost leaning on the side of the fence that there might feels like there might not be as much variety in the open world as I'm hoping that there will be. Mm. Um, but we'll see. We will see. I'm, I'm early days yet. Uh, and that's all that I've been playing. Uh, Football Manager 23 is out. I haven't had a chance to uh, get my hands on it just yet. Sure. That might be one over over Christmas potentially. Probably the same as last year's, to be honest. Yeah, same as last year, except now you have uh, different players playing for different teams. Ooh, and have they added women yet? I presume not, because uh, it's probably difficult. Because <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know could just change the names of all the players I've already got in there to women's names. Yeah, I'm sure that would be very easy to do. Actually, I think it's like they, they use data as the excuse because. They need the really good data to make it realistic, but you know, just not that hard. Just, just make it up. Yeah, make it up. Um, and speaking of making it up, we've finished making it up because this podcast Ooh. is coming to an end. Um, I hope you enjoyed the uh, elongated full gear and World Cup chats. Um, of course, we'll be back next week, probably with Barry in tow, bringing you more chat on the fallout from full gear. And the continuing uh, World Cup action. It's four games a day from now until next week. So I'm not going to be doing anything else apart from that. There'll be no TV, no movies, no books, no music, no going out. It's going to be football, football, football. So look forward to that next week. I'll still watch the TV. I'll make a point. Yeah, slip in one episode of Gilmore Girls so I can, I can talk about. Um, but other than that, it remains um, only for me to say thank you and goodbye. And don't forget to follow us on Chairshot Pod on Twitter, the only official Chairshot Podcast account. Those other guys stopped uh, updating. So yeah, they haven't, they haven't done an episode since. Uh, they've yeah. done one episode since March or something. So they're dead. Yeah, don't worry. Well, so we killed them done. off. We've done 25 since then, so not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah follow us on there. Email us. Get on churchshoppodcast.com and send us a little message. Slag us off. Praise us. Ask questions. Do whatever you want. We don't care. <laughs> well, no, don't slag me off. Slag Paul off. Mm. Go, oh, he's rubbish in that. Um, and that is it. So it's goodbye from me, Townie, and goodbye from my friend, Paul Griffin. Goodbye. I'm not going to be happy if I get emails now and they're telling me I'm not good. I'm going to not, I'm not only not going to read them, but I'll be sad. So anyway, goodbye. Everybody. You're going like, to be like the rock. I'm not mad. I'm actually tweeting, tweeting at IGN. <laughs> oh man. What an embarrassment.